When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Great Takes Less Filling by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week as always is U Street. Well this week of course it is PJ Flex postgame handshake with Jerry Kill U Street. Uh, I think we just need to quickly get our nectins of the week out of the way. Uh, my nectin of the week is uh, PJ Flex pregame handshake. And mine of course is PJ Fleck and Jerry Kill's postgame handshake. Yeah, I really liked how it was pretty clear that uh, PJ just went up to kill and, like, forced him to hold the handshake. Just straight up, like, I'm going to white-knuckle you and you're not getting away. We're going to keep this for a minute. It was it was, it was was wonderful. I think we should just talk a little bit about the form of those handshakes. I think really <laughs> fabulous, you know, firm, firm pressure, but also... The initial wrist grab and then extending it into an over-the-shoulder, just there was no possible way that Jerry Kill could pull away. I mean, that is just that just team effort. Both hands working to really make sure that handshake was successful. I mean, I feel like, you know, Peej might be ready to go pro with moves like that. You got to think in the combine that over-the-shoulder hold him in a, like, light, half bear hug move is going to really draw some attention uh, from from the scouts and the and the front offices across the league. You know who's not going to go pro? Literally anyone on the New Mexico State Aggies because that is a bad football team. <laughs> bad football team. I, I kind of feel like the moment for me when their lack of skill was most apparent, there were several. But the one that stands out to me is when uh, Tanner Morgan was able to convert a third and 12 with his legs quite easily in fact um, I giggled it was fun it was wonderful I enjoyed every second of it but uh, no defense with anything resembling power five speed should should allow Tanner Morgan to pick up a third and 12 with his legs I always find it kind of amusing and I get my little caveat out of the way since we beginning the season the two of us one of us of course d3 athlete and then also me here. But <laughs> neither one of us, I think, it would be fair to say, are Division One caliber athletes in our primes, oh, no. much less nowadays. And so I'm sure if we were playing like a pickup game with Tanner Morgan, Tanner Morgan would smoke us. 100%. But Tanner Morgan really should not smoke five defenders within about four yards of him, <laughs> who are ostensibly I, I... also Division One athletes. I gotta say, it was a uh, it it was not a stressful game. Um, the 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 most stressful part of the game, uh, I suppose, could be 
two things, one facetious, one not facetiously. Uh, will it? Will Crab get credit for that touchdown? And he did not. And it, what is a catch anymore? That's my general response to that. And then I suppose the other would be Axel Rushmeyer going down, and we're uncertain what uh, level of injury he sustained uh, yeah. during the game. So all, all, all uh, best wishes to him for something minor and easily uh, bounced back from. Yeah, definitely. It was not a successful non-conference game, given, as you mentioned, there's at least an injury that unclear what the severity is. Hopefully, by the time this is out, the answer will be it will be not serious at all. I must say that, for me, the most stressful part of the game was trying to figure out how long Tanner Morgan would be playing in it. And uh, once again, I think he was probably in for about a quarter too long. I was happy that they made the correct decision to not have Mo Ibrahim play for any longer than was necessary. Got his 100 yards out the game. He's now, what, uh, five TDs away from tying uh, the all-time school record for touchdowns and six from making it his own? I believe that is correct. I would say I was somewhat surprised that they decided to give Tanner Morgan QB sneak touchdowns instead of just saying screw it and having Mo vulture them just to get closer to that record, though I understand perhaps why they did not do that. But yeah, he will absolutely, assuming he is of course able to play a full season, he will by the end of this season be the University of Minnesota football program's all-time leader in rushing touchdowns. And at this current pace and the way the offense is structured, that could be true by week four. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about Western Illinois uh, in the pod next week. Uh, needless to say, they look also extremely terrible. He could get himself a good chunk of the way there, like three TDs of the way there uh, next week. Oh, undoubtedly. Plus, you have this thing I forgot to mention. The other stressful thing that I had was realizing that Matt Millen was doing the commentary, and for a period of time, my television was not on mute. Always a stressful, stressful event. Matt Millen's the worst. Is is he repeats stories? He he has dumb observations. It's it's he's the worst. The, let us never let us never hear his voice again. The main thing, and I think it should be clear that since we're talking about Matt Millen, that really this game was exactly what you thought it was. Ibrahim, 21 for 132, two touchdowns. Trey Potts did not get to 100 yards, so already 0 for 1 on big predictions from uh, the main show podcast because we did not have multiple rushers with 100 yards. Bryce Williams, 4 for 25. Tanner Morgan, 5 carries for 22 yards and 2 touchdowns. That's efficiency right there. Jordan Newbin made an appearance, so lots and lots of people rushed the ball. In total, the Gophers missed 300 yards by, sadly, 3 yards, and I suspect that's entirely because they chose to take victory knees instead of just running two more plays at the end. On the passing side of the ball, if I were to perhaps raise an eyebrow, and hopefully it's a week one eyebrow only, lots of dropsies from the wide receivers. I'd like to see that clean itself up. Uh, It's hard to know what to take 
you can't really take a lot from a game like this other than, you know, as a general rule, Minnesota has the ability to impose their will offensively and defensively against an inferior team. Obviously, much inferior seems to be the the status of New Mexico State. It'll be interesting to see how this fares against a mediocre Big Ten team. Um, and we've got many weeks to wait till to, to get the answers to that. Uh, but really, uh, short of the the you know the one injury, uh, really nothing much more you could ask for. Um, we haven't, even though we're you know. I think uh, all you and I both wishing the starters had come out a little earlier. This is still the longest stretch of mop-up uh, time in a non-conference game that I can recall. Like, I guess maybe Colorado last year. I, I always forget about that game, even though I was there. But That may be, uh, in fact, why you forget about the game. Well... You know, they had Coors Banquet and Tall Boys. Stuff happens, man. <laughs> a question for you on this. So speaking of Minnesota receiving, as mentioned, there were, were quite a few drops in this game, but the question, Chris had not seen this before we loaded up. How many different Minnesota players caught a pass in this game? Tanner Let's Morgan see. for everyone on the podcast, 13 of 19 for 174. I'm going to say seven. That is, in fact, under 10 different University of Minnesota really? players caught a pass, including, uh, is it is it Collar Up? The uh, other tight end? Yeah. I think it's Collar Up. All right. I don't care if it's something else. I know names are important and they actually matter, but Collar Up is just way too good of a name, especially if he scores and, I don't know, like tries to propose or something immediately afterwards, which might be perfect. And Yeah, so they spreading the ball around, spreading the ball to tight ends, multiple screen passes, lots of different running backs caught a pass in this particular game. But I think one of the main takeaways I took from the offense besides this was a glorified scrimmage New Mexico State is really bad is that Kirk Sharaka not doing anything different on the return of the artist formerly known as Kirk Sharaka tour other than perhaps perhaps throwing the ball a little bit more to the tight end than maybe he did the first go round. he still loves a good slant game that's for darn sure yeah I must say that I am a little bit surprised, given the a million wide receivers they recruit every single year, that they don't actually have what seems to be a quite formidable wide receiver core. That will be something, I think, to look for. And as you mentioned, when they move up a step to at least mediocre competition, because New Mexico State was not very good. <laughs> When they move up to at least mediocre competition, whether or not the receiving core will also rise to the occasion. Chris Ottman-Bell and Michael Brown-Stevens both you know, played well. It was pretty clear, I would imagine, if you looked at the film, that Chris Ottman-Bell was getting uh, rather shaded in coverage, uh, much like perhaps the old Tyler Johnson double team kind of in out with a safety situation that's part of the reason why a lot of those little tight end routes tended to be open the safeties were going with a wide receiver and so you had something underneath picking up nine 
nine, 10 yards a, a piece there. Uh, Nick Collarup, of course, was 16. I'm going to say right now that as long as Nick Collarup continues to perform, he will probably be my like all-time Necton of the week because it's my favorite name on the team. The defense as well, I felt, you know, again, competition level, blah, blah. Uh, but, you know, came out and just did exactly what you'd expect them to do against a team as bad as this. Smothered them, held them to just no yardage, essentially, until that one drive. And then they still, even on that one drive, that's a drive where normally you just give up a garbage touchdown at the end of the game to the opponent. And instead, eh, we'll just take an interception for a touchback. There were quite a uh, few gamblers who were quite pleased with Terrell Smith there. Yeah, more than a few. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, you you wanted to see a four-man rush sack. And, in fact, the first sack of the game was a three-man rush sack. Uh, Thomas Rush, in fact, on that sack. Um, so, again, I what will we see when the offensive lines they face improve? But uh, I got to say, at least in, based only on the initial first game, I wouldn't be unhappy uh, if I was Joe Rossi to think about going against Nebraska, for example, if Nebraska's O-line continues to play the, the shit level they've played so far. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. It was nice to see, again, as mentioned on the the main show podcast, the thing that I was looking for is whether or not the Gophers could get pressure with just three or four. They were able to do that. Again, as Chris mentioned, there is a bit of a selection effect here because every player on New Mexico State was quite bad. However, it is good to see the, the Thomas Rush sack, just to be clear, great leverage. And the reason why he had such great leverage, you know, way underneath the tackle, thus able to get, is because he tripped at the line of scrimmage and almost fell over and sort of fell up on the second or third step into the tackle. And the tackle, instead of doing what would happen in a Big Ten game, which is putting Thomas Rush on his ass, let him go through. <laughs> but he made the play, so gotta gotta give him points for that. And by points, I so, mean to Thomas Rush, not to the tackle for New Mexico State. You get absolutely no points for that. Yeah. God, New Mexico State is bad. Jerry Kill has his work cut out for him. Um, I suspect that Jerry will do okay at New Mexico State, to be clear. While I find his sort of weird heel turn to be not a very fun one and boring in lots of ways he is good at taking programs that frankly in this current modern landscape shouldn't actually exist and turning them into reasonably competitive teams and since they're moving to conference usa i expect that to be the case I also think that it was extremely obvious that P.J. Fleck and co. chose sometime in the middle of the first quarter that they were going to win this game very easily, but they were not going to try to do so because I think if Minnesota was trying, this would have been one of those sort of Alabama versus Troy in the you know week before Thanksgiving 9,000-0 to zero games. Yeah, when you go and continue to play a completely slow-tempo offense, when you rush 75% or whatever of your plays or rushes in the first half, 
you're not looking to uh, run the score up. Uh, not when they're moving it as easily as they were passing the ball. No, and also, as we mentioned, if we were perhaps, again, being a bit less charitable about the scrimmage we just witnessed, there were a lot of drops. And so you take away at least a couple of those drops, and there's probably a touchdown. Again, Crab's touchdown being taken away because apparently, in one sense, it's acceptable to do toes down. But if you take a step, apparently you need a heel down. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> yeah, the the world makes makes no sense. Um, there was also, I'm led to believe we're we're recording this uh, right after the game, of course, on on Thursday, and so when this comes out, maybe you will be able to. Those who are listening may have been able to see other catches. There was a catch that was apparently not a catch in the Purdue Penn State game. Am I correct about that, Chris? Yes. For both correct. the crab catch and the. Purdue catch, I'm going to say that the actual rule should be what is more awesome. And that the is how per- we should evaluate catches. Like Yeah, the per- the Purdue catch would have been pretty awesome. If uh, if it is if it would be awesome if that catch actually occurred, this isn't like, oh, it you know, it bounced three yards in front and and like that's not what I mean by awesome. But you know, someone made a heck of a play and there's just like some weird tiny thing about the foot, or maybe the ball hit the turf slightly early, but it's you know hard to tell. Instead of overturning it, the rules officials should elect to do the that was awesome, and therefore the play will therefore stand. That is my that is my proposal for a rule change for this year. So you know what would happen if if that if that was the the case? Um, what was the was Joe West the American League umpire that everybody fucking hated? Uh, yes, I do. I think that is correct. Okay, yeah. So you what you what would happen is people would start watching for the list for the replay crew the way they used to watch for Joe West. <laughs> because there would be one replay crew whose definition of awesome was so out of whack with actually awesome that they would just become hated and reviled. Much Just as everyone in the Big Ten looked for TV Teddy and never wanted to see a TV Teddy game uh, come basketball season, they would learn to hate insert whatever review team for for uh not being awesome friends wonderful start to the season uh look for us to cover um what's coming up for the gophers uh during next week's sky you Pad- podcast and of course look to the blog for recaps of this game uh and all the other great stuff going on with gopher sports in the meantime go gophers sky you ma row the boat